Section thirty one of the Bounties in the News. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by David Lawrence. The Rebel Chief Hanged by the New York Times. The Rebel Chief Hanged. Louis Riel pays the penalty of treason felony. His execution creates intense excitement throughout Canada. The government denounced. Regina, November 16. The last act in the Riel Rebellion occurred in the jail yard of the Mounted Police Barracks at Regina this morning, when Riel suffered death for treason felony. Sunday morning he awoke very early and declared to his guards that he had another vision from heaven. His guardian angel, he said, had revealed to him that he would rise three days after his execution and share the premiership of Canada with Sir John Macdonald. The angel had also told him that he would live three years in Canadian Northwest and obtain the liberty of the half-breeds. He sent for Governor Dudney and related to him his vision. The Times correspondent was allowed to accompany the governor to Riel's cell. After he had related his vision, the governor told him that he had brought with him the warrant for his execution. Riel was rather dazed by the news, but said, with a sickly smile, You bring a grand announcement. I shall soon be out of my trouble. The governor then asked him if he had any effects to dispose of. Riel said, All I have is here, placing his hand on his heart. Continuing, he said, I was ready to yield my life to my country fifteen years, and will be ready tomorrow. The governor asked if he had made his peace with God. Riel replied, I made my peace with God a long time ago, and am quite prepared to die. Then Riel asked, Shall I have twenty-four hours? The governor replied that he would not. Riel said, I am satisfied. I desire you to send my body to be laid in St. Boniface. I also want you to thank my kind friends in Quebec for their efforts in my behalf, and they will now see I had a mission to perform. Will I be permitted to speak? he asked. Yes, replied the governor, but he cautioned him against speaking too long. All mon cher, said Riel. You think I will speak too long, that it will unnerve me, no? I shall not be weak. When that moment arrives, I shall have wings to carry me upward to God, who sent me to liberate the half-breeds, and who will send me back very soon. Sunday afternoon, Riel spent his time making his will, which he gave to Pierre André, his spiritual adviser. It contains no political allusion. It first referred in affectionate terms to his wife and family, commending them to God's protection. He forgave his enemies and any who may have injured him, especially mentioning Sir John MacDonald. He begged forgiveness of all he injured in any way and said he would die at peace with all men, meeting death bravely. He solemnly retracted his errors in regard to the Roman Catholic Church. Riel had been writing a history of the rebellion and placed it in Pierre André's hands for the benefit of his family. The Times correspondent visited Riel again Sunday evening and found him still at his desk writing. He told the sheriff that he was preparing a long speech to be made from the gallows, which would convince all present that he was a prophet, and had been sent by God to conduct the rebellion. It would prove his divine mission, he said, and would be a defense against the charge of cruelty and selfishness preferred against him. About eleven o'clock he took supper and about midnight received his spiritual adviser, Pierre André, 
who persuaded him not to make a speech, and finally extracted a promise from him not to do so. Riel was much disappointed, however, saying he was afraid some people were not thoroughly convinced of his divine mission. At five o'clock in the morning, Pierre André, assisted by Father McWilliams, both of whom are known to have helped Riel in every way throughout the rebellion, celebrated Mass, and at seven o'clock administered the last sacrament. From that time, Riel threw aside his evidently assumed insanity and remained on his knees in prayer until the sheriff entered his cell and announced that the time had come. Supported by the two priests, Riel arose, and a moment afterwards he weakened and fainted, but only for a few moments. The encouraging words of the priests assisted him to regain his strength and calmness. From that time his conduct was very courageous. Pale but composed, he followed the sheriff to the gallows. At the doorway leading to the scaffold, Riel knelt and gave responses in a clear voice to the litany recited by the priests. At 8.15 o'clock, the hangman came forward and began to pinion Riel. Riel began an address to the crowd below, but was immediately reminded by Father André of his promise not to make a speech. He stopped at once. The hangman was Jack Henderson, who was for a long time Riel's prisoner, and was once sentenced to death by the rebel chief. During the time he was being pinioned, Riel prayed incessantly, spreading his hands and looking up until his arms were fastened. Preceded by the sheriff and escorted by the priests, Riel walked firmly without assistance down the six steps to the scaffold, constantly ejaculating in French, In God I put my trust. The priest prayed with him a short time, when Father McWilliams repeated the Lord's Prayer. At the words, Lead us not into temptation, the deputy sheriff gave the signal to pull the lever, and just as Father McWilliams said, And deliver us from evil, the bolt was drawn. Riel fell a distance of nine feet. From the time the drop fell to the time the heart ceased to beat was two minutes. Circulation entirely ceased two minutes later. After hanging half an hour, the body was cut down and placed in a coffin beneath the scaffold. The result of the post-mortem examination showed that the execution was perfectly performed. From the moment he fell, judging from the nature of the injuries received, he must have been entirely without sensation. The neck was entirely dislocated, thus paralyzing all the lower portions of the body. The coroner and jury then viewed the body. The usual verdict was rendered. After the post-mortem examination, the coffin was nailed down and temporarily placed in the burying grounds attached to the police barracks, pending Riel's relatives obtaining permission to take it to St. Boniface or Quebec. An effort will be made to prevent it from being taken to the latter place to avoid trouble. After the body was cut down, a rush was made by relic hunters to get the rope. It was seized, however, by the sheriff and destroyed. News of the execution was received in Winnipeg without any demonstration. Across the river, in the French town of St. Boniface, where Riel's family and parents reside, prayers were offered in the church for Riel. The Reverend Charles H. McWilliams, who assisted Father André in his attendance upon Riel during his last hours, and was a classmate of the rebel at Montreal College in 1860, is firm in the belief that Riel was insane. In this belief, he addressed a letter last Monday to the Governor-General of Canada, 
citing his firm conviction and saying that while he deemed Brielle a dangerous person and one who should be confined for life, expressed the view that if the sentence of death were carried out, his blood would be upon the head of His Excellency Lord Lansdowne and his immediate advisers. He addressed a similar document to Sir John A. Macdonald, Prime Minister of Canada. The Reverend Mr. McWilliams had in his possession a series of letters written by Riel within the last ten days, which serves as a partial index to his character and his claim to be a patriot and likewise a prophet. Riel's handwriting is bold and moderately regular. The following letter was written, the reverend gentleman said, while Riel was laboring under excitement. Regina Jail, November 9, 1885. I am most acknowledging toward you, my God, for having fulfilled the promise which you never fully made to me through your beloved servant, Ignace Bouget, that you would not abandon me on account of the missions which you have goodly given me to fulfill in all points. Louis David Riel the following was written the same day regina jail november nine eighteen eighty five for assisting to alleviate the wrongs of my countrymen i am made to be but i will not say it for having done all i could to better the condition of the people at large as an aboriginal as an american and as a prophet i will lose my temporal life louis david riel about seven thirty o'clock this morning he wrote the following the Reverend C. A. McWilliams. My good thanks for assisting me in different ways, principally by your prayers. Louis David Riel. November 16, 1885. Twenty minutes before he went to the scaffold, he wrote the following in French, of which a close translation is given. This was his final missive, and is in a clear, bold hand. What there is too presumptuous in my writings must say that by these presents, I subordinate it entirely to the good pleasure of my God, to the doctrine of the Church, and to the infallible decisions of the Supreme Pontiff. I die Catholic, and in the only true faith. Louis David Riel, 16th November, 1885, Regina Jail, Winnipeg, November 16. Riel's mother received news of the execution very coolly. She had prepared her house ready to receive her son, whom she says will rise in three days, as he had said. She has invited a number of half-breed friends to witness his coming. Ottawa, Ontario, November 16. The news of Riel's death was received quietly here. The Protestant conservatives are considerably elated, however, over what they term their triumph. A large number of them waited on the premier and the Honorable Mackenzie Bowell, Minister of Customs, congratulating them on the carrying out of the sentence of the court. Among the French Canadians, who are in a large minority here, there is a deep feeling of displeasure, which may break out into open hostilities on the slightest provocation. Quebec, November 16. The excitement here over the execution of Riel is intense. When the news was received that Riel had paid the last penalty of the law, many a French Canadian was seen to wipe teardrops from his eyes. But it seemed as if a thunderbolt had fallen among them, reversing their feelings to one of rejoicing, when a dispatch was received saying that he had died game. It would seem as though it only required this news to start them 
in pouring forth their torrent of feelings. Although the French Canadians are agitated in the extreme, there has been no difficulty experienced. The French cabinet ministers are being criticized greatly on all sides. Toronto, Ontario, November 16. By nine o'clock this morning, crowds begin to gather about the various newspaper offices eagerly awaiting for Riel's execution. When the news was received that Riel had expiated his crimes on the scaffold, the crowds, after perusing the bulletin boards, quietly dispersed, each person feeling apparently an inward satisfaction. End of section 30